Chapters 11 through 15 of Theologia Germanica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter. Theologia Germanica by an anonymous author. Translated by Susanna Winkworth. Chapters 11 through 15. Chapter 11. How a righteous man in this present time is brought into hell, and there cannot be comforted, and how he is taken out of hell and carried into heaven, and there cannot be troubled. Christ's soul must needs descend into hell before it ascended into heaven. So must also the soul of man. But mark ye in what manner this cometh to pass. When a man truly perceiveth and considereth himself who and what he is, and findeth himself utterly vile and wicked and unworthy of all comfort and kindness that he hath ever received from God or from the creatures, he falleth into such a deep abasement and despising of himself that he thinketh himself unworthy that the earth should bear him, and it seemeth to him reasonable that all creatures in heaven and earth should rise up against him and avenge their creator on him, and should punish and torment him, and that he were unworthy even of that. And it seemeth to him that he shall be eternally lost and damned, and a footstool to all the devils in hell, and that this is right and just and all too little compared to his sins, which he so often and in so many ways hath committed against God, his creator." And therefore also he will not and dare not desire any consolation or release, either from God or from any creature that is in heaven or on earth. But he is willing to be unconsoled and unreleased, and he doth not grieve over his condemnation and sufferings, for they are right and just, and not contrary to God, but according to the will of God. Therefore they are right in his eyes, and he hath nothing to say against them, Nothing grieveth him but his own guilt and wickedness, for that is not right and is contrary to God, and for that cause he is grieved and troubled in spirit. This is what is meant by true repentance for sin, and he who in this present time entereth into this hell entereth afterward into the kingdom of heaven, and obtaineth a foretaste there of which excelleth all the delight and joy which he hath ever had or could have in this present time from temporal things. But whilst a man is thus in hell, none may console him, neither God nor the creature, as it is written, in hell there is no redemption. Of this state hath one said, Let me perish, let me die, I live without hope. From within and from without I am condemned, let no one pray that I may be released. Now God hath not forsaken a man in this hell, but he is laying his hand upon him, that the man may not desire nor regard anything but the eternal good only, and may come to know that that is so noble and passing good, that none can search out or express its bliss, consolation and joy, peace, rest and satisfaction. And then when the man neither careth for nor seeketh nor desireth anything but the eternal good alone, and seeketh not himself nor his own things, but the honour of God only, he is made a partaker of all manner of joy, bliss, peace, rest, and consolation, and so the man is henceforth in the kingdom of heaven. This hell and this heaven are two good, safe ways for a man in this present time, and happy is he who truly findeth them, 
for this hell shall pass away, but heaven shall endure for aye. Also let a man mark, when he is in this hell nothing may console him, and he cannot believe that he shall ever be released or comforted. But when he is in heaven, nothing can trouble him. He believeth also that none will ever be able to offend or trouble him, albeit it is indeed true that after this hell he may be comforted and released, and after this heaven he may be troubled and left without consolation. Again, this hell and this heaven come about a man in such sort that he knoweth not whence they come, and whether they come to him or depart from him, he can of himself do nothing toward it. Of these things he can neither give nor take away from himself, bring them nor banish them, but as it is written, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, that is to say, at this time present. But thou knowest not whence it cometh, nor whither it goeth. And when a man is in one of these two states, all is right with him, and he is as safe in hell as in heaven, and so long as a man is on earth, it is possible for him to pass oft times from the one into the other, nay, even within the space of a day and night, and all without his own doing. But when the man is in neither of these two states, he holdeth converse with the creature, and wavereth hither and thither, and knoweth not what manner of man he is. Therefore he shall never forget either of them, but lay up the remembrance of them in his heart. Chapter 12 Touching that true inward peace which Christ left to his disciples at the last. Many say, They have no peace nor rest, but so many crosses and trials, afflictions and sorrows, that they know not how they shall ever get through them. Now he who in truth will perceive and take note, perceiveth clearly, that true peace and rest lie not in outward things. For if it were so, the evil spirit also would have peace when things go according to his will, which is nowise the case. For the prophet declareth, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And therefore we must consider and see what is that peace which Christ left to his disciples at the last, when he said, My peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. We may perceive that in these words Christ did not mean a bodily or outward peace, for his beloved disciples, with all his friends and followers, have ever suffered from the beginning great affliction, persecution, nay, often martyrdom, as Christ himself said, In this world ye shall have tribulation. But Christ meant that true inward peace of the heart, which beginneth here and endureth for ever hereafter. Therefore he said, not as the world giveth. For the world is false, and deceiveth in her gifts. She promiseth much, and performeth little. Moreover there liveth no man on earth who may always have rest and peace without troubles and crosses, with whom things always go according to his will. There is always something to be suffered here, turn which way you will, and as soon as you are quit of one assault, perhaps two come in its place. Wherefore yield thyself willingly to them, and seek only that true peace of the heart, which none can take away from thee, that thou mayest overcome all assaults. Thus, then, Christ meant that inward peace which can break through all assaults and crosses of oppression, suffering, misery, humiliation, and what more there may be of the like, so that a man may be joyful and patient therein, like the beloved disciples and followers of Christ. 
Now he who will in love give his whole diligence and might thereto, will verily come to know that true eternal peace which is God himself, as far as it is possible to a creature, insomuch that what was bitter to him before shall become sweet, and his heart shall remain unmoved under all changes, at all times, and after this life he shall attain unto everlasting peace. Chapter 13 How a man may cast aside images too soon. Towler saith, there be some men at the present time who take leave of types and symbols too soon, before they have drawn out all the truth and instruction contained therein. Hence they are scarcely or perhaps never able to understand the truth aright, for such men will follow no one and lean unto their own understandings and desire to fly before they are fledged. They would fain mount up to heaven in one flight, albeit Christ did not so, for after his resurrection he remained full forty days with his beloved disciples. No one can be made perfect in a day. A man must begin by denying himself and willingly forsaking all things for God's sake, and must give up his own will and all his natural inclinations and separate and cleanse himself thoroughly from all sins and evil ways. After this let him humbly take up the cross and follow Christ. Also let him take and receive example and instruction, reproof, counsel, and teaching from devout and perfect servants of God, and not follow his own guidance. Thus the work shall be established and come to a good end. And when a man hath thus broken loose from and outleaped all temporal things and creatures, he may afterwards become perfect in a life of contemplation. For he who will have the one must let the other go there is no other way. Chapter 14 Of three stages by which a man is led upwards till he attaineth true perfection. Now be assured that no one can be enlightened unless he be first cleansed or purified and stripped. So also no one can be united with God unless he be first enlightened. Thus there are three stages. First the purification. Secondly the enlightening. Thirdly, the union. The purification concerneth those who are beginning or repenting, and is brought to pass in a threefold wise, by contrition and sorrow for sin, by full confession, by hearty amendment. The enlightening belongeth to such as are growing, and also taketh place in three ways, to wit, by the eschewal of sin, by the practice of virtue and good works, and by the willing endurance of all manner of temptation and trials. The union belongeth to such as are perfect, and also is brought to pass in three ways, to wit, by pureness and singleness of heart, by love, and by contemplation of God, the Creator of all things. Chapter 15 how all men are dead in Adam, and are made alive again in Christ, and of true obedience and disobedience. All that in Adam fell and died was raised again and made alive in Christ, and all that rose up and was made alive in Adam fell and died in Christ. But what was that? I answer, true obedience and disobedience. But what is true obedience? I answer, that a man should so stand free, being quit of himself, 
that is, of his I and me and self and mine and the like, that in all things he should no more seek or regard himself than if he did not exist and should take as little account of himself as if he were not and another had done all his works. Likewise, he should count all the creatures for nothing. What is there then which is and which we may count for somewhat? I answer nothing but that which we may call God. Behold, this is very obedience in the truth, and thus it shall be in a blessed eternity. There nothing is sought nor thought of nor loved but the one thing only. Hereby we may mark what disobedience is, to wit, that a man maketh some account of himself, and thinketh that he is, and knoweth, and can do somewhat, and seeketh himself and his own ends in the things around him, and hath regard to and loveth himself and the like. Man is created for true obedience, and is bound of right to render it to God. And this obedience fell and died in Adam, and rose again and lived in Christ. Yea, Christ's human nature was so utterly bereft of self, and apart from all creatures, as no man's ever was, and was nothing else but a house and habitation of God. Neither of that in him which belonged to God, nor of that which was a living human nature and a habitation of God, did he, as man, claim anything for his own. His human nature did not even take unto itself the Godhead, whose dwelling it was, nor anything that this same Godhead willed, or did, or left undone in him, nor yet anything of all that his human nature did or suffered. But in Christ's human nature there was no claiming of anything, nor seeking, nor desire, saving that what was due might be rendered to the Godhead. And he did not call this very desire his own. Of this matter no more can be said or written here, for it is unspeakable, and has never yet and never will be fully uttered. For it can neither be spoken nor written, but by him who is and knows its ground, that is, God himself, who can do all things well. End of chapters 11 through 15. Recording by J.A. Carter. www.afewparagraphs.com.